So this is um, the first recording we're doing for the psychology department at Edinburgh University, which is called Psych-er. Psych-er? Psych-er? Psych-er. How do I pronounce it probably in Swedish? Psych-er. 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 Okay. There's the two of us. We've got myself, John Barnes, who's a senior lecturer here in the department, and Leo V, who is the producer (laughs) and the current student. Uh, yes. And this is literally the first time we've pressed record in this room. So probably what we're going to do here is maybe talk a little bit about the podcast, what we've been doing so far and what our plans are for it. And then I was thinking, uh, because Leo is drawing to the end of his program, <laughs> that I could ask him a little bit about his experience. Yeah. So if I give some background to this project, we had the idea to do something like this, some sort of podcast within the department, maybe about two years ago. And uh, more recently, the head of school, Selma Salahovic, decided that she would actually formally try to activate this project. Whereas before we kind of thought it might just be a fun thing to do, she thought it might be something we could do more seriously. So the vaguely defined (laughs) purpose of this podcast so far is firstly to create another channel to disseminate information along within our department. So that's within our staff body and within our student body in between the two. So one of the purposes at this stage is, yeah, basically a channel where we can disseminate any kind of information that's relevant to staff or to students. Now, that might be events within the department or information from the different associations in the student body. Yeah, basically anything that might be relevant to our department. Another purpose was to be able to interview our own staff and hear about their own research uh, as a way of communicating with the external environment, so outside the university, uh, to make to give another channel or another way of people from outside the university accessing and finding out about what our staff are doing. Um, And then I guess another purpose at this stage is also maybe just to try to do stuff that's fun and interesting for all of us. (laughs) Uh, We have a lot of guests that come here. We have various events. Uh, We have uh, conferences and things like this that we thought we might cover as well. And so far we have a few of us have met a few times. So um, the head of school, Selma, the program and Sfadi, uh, Sophia and myself and Leo here are currently the Rod. Is that the word in Swedish? <laughs> Seek oh. a Rod. I guess, yeah. We're like the committee. <laughs> I guess that's responsible. Hmm. And we've kind of sketched out the plan for this. We have some funding. Um, we have you as a producer. Um, and yeah, off we go. We're going to start to do this. Yeah. And this is it. And now we're here. <laughs> you and I have come into the studio once before and it was filthy. And now it's, <laughs> now it's cleaner. And there's a vacuum cleaner over there. Look at that. Yeah. yeah. Shaping up. That must have been the hint for them. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the, that's the idea so far and we'll see how it goes. But um, other than that, maybe we could talk about you being a student here. So you're now in T... Nine. T yeah, nine. sure. That's right. Because you're doing your Diopsats a little bit early. Exactly. Because you're going to go overseas on exchange at the end. Mm, right. That's right. So it's a 10-term program. Mm. How did you end up here? Where are you um, from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm from like a small rural town called Järna. Okay. Uh, it's uh, a lot of hippies and uh, there, um, there's like a popular philosophy like called anthroposophy. Okay. Uh, where people, they have like a holistic and a very nature-based view on 
on uh, schooling and mm-hmm. uh, food and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's where the, I grew. That's the whole community. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Okay. Uh, it, most of them. Is it like a commune or a, like <laughs> it's a cult or <laughs> what is or, it? The, there is this village called uh, Skogsbrynsbyn mm. or like the edge of the forest village. Okay. Uh, and so there's a bit, uh, the sentiment's a bit stronger over there. It's, a, it's getting out there a bit. Okay. But there's uh, a, there's a, there's a view of life and attitude that's across the whole yeah. island. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm. Cool. So and, you grew up there. I grew up there, uh, and then I, I don't know. I I like uh, I studied a lot of different subjects, and I just thought psychology was really interesting. Mm. And at the time, I I, I don't know. I <laughs> kind of stumbled in here, really. Yeah, okay. Didn't really plan to end up in Örebro or at the psychology program. But so, uh, so the system in Sweden is that you guys apply for many psychology programs. There's yeah. a national pool of applicants to the various... Mm. How many programs are there? 11 or something? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So you applied and you put down some preferences. Yeah. I won't ask you what the preferences were. <laughs> we'll just assume that it was at the top. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, and then you got an offer here. Yeah. Okay. And had you, you've got a music background. Yeah. I kind of played in a... <laughs> like a skate punk band and okay. I... Uh, I went to a music high school. Yeah, that's where they like, uh, I mostly played instruments. And didn't yeah. learn a lot. Okay, but it was very, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So you and I crossed paths in term four. Yeah, which is the second year in this program. I guess in a personality topic. Yeah, personality. It's a while ago now, but in personality yeah. and then psychopathology. Was there right. anything else at that stage? Yeah, I think that yeah. that was it. No. And somewhere amongst all that, I must have talked to you or a few people about <laughs> a podcast. Yeah. And I think that maybe at that stage you might have mentioned that you had some experience with these things. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was like at the end of a class. Yes. And you were like, oh, it wasn't part of the curriculum. <laughs> <laughs> In the middle. This is yeah. the most important part. Yeah. Take notes, guys. <laughs> Oh, no. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember, I think I put up my hand and said, yeah, I recorded a few of those. Yeah. And then I think I literally when the head of school came back to me, which would have been a year or two later, mm. and said, hey, surprise, I'm going to get you to do this as part of your job. <laughs> I think I literally walked out of the meeting, had said to her, ah, there's someone I think who might be able to help us with this. Mm. And you were walking through the other door. <laughs> that was, there you go, fate. Um, yeah, it was really fate. Yeah. <laughs> so ha- what's it been like for you so far to do the program? It's been great. Um, uh, Is it what you expected? I came in with a kind of a, uh, a bit more blank slate, actually. Mm. I didn't really expect you're, you're a tabula rasa. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm. Empty mind, just <laughs> waiting to be filled. And now it's full of all sorts of stuff, <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I think, uh, of course, there's been a, a lot of things that are good and some things that probably could have been better. But overall, I really like the program and I uh, found that I learned a lot and I have a, a very broad uh, knowledge of psychology. So when you start off, the early terms are sort of very general introductory topics. I guess you would have mm. taken like a general research and design. You tell me because I don't teach yeah. in early terms, so I'm actually not quite sure. <laughs> When I started, I think they've redone the program now, but when I started, we first had like an ethics class, yep. which probably was a smart thing to do. Yes, <laughs> probably, yeah. 
and uh, we read stories of psychologists doing bad stuff like falling asleep during sessions and okay bringing patients to like a medium or something like that okay yes and we're supposed to discuss that did you do the speed dating at the start yeah, I did. So actually, we probably met speed yeah, dating. Yeah, I, I remember. Yes, and I'll explain <laughs> that in case it also gets out there anyway. Um, one of the things that Sophia Bettebaum, who's the program in Svartik, has been doing for quite some time now is she gets all the first-term students together to meet with, was it probably half a dozen uh, yeah. of staff? And it's kind of looks like a bit of a speed dating arrangement where you have... <laughs> maybe half a dozen tables with about maybe half a dozen students on each and then each staff member just moves around for about five or ten minutes mm. to each group and answers questions. So we would have crossed paths there the first time, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So you took all those general topics and yeah. then what happens next? It starts to move into... I think we we might have started with uh, like uh, research design pretty early, yeah. I think. Yeah, I would have thought that would be pretty yeah. early. Yeah, and like statistics. And uh, that was kind of a surprise because... Yeah. <laughs> I, me, like, uh, uh, well, a lot of people in our class were kind of more thinking that we would begin with softer subjects, like, yeah. more more humanistic, and yeah. like, um, um, not so many numbers. No, yeah, <laughs> it's f it's interesting you mention that because uh, when I started undergraduate psychology, which was a very long time mm -hmm. ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I really was not very fond of any kind of <laughs> mathematics or statistics to the mm. point that I actually remember ceremoniously burning my mathematics <laughs> textbooks when I finished high school in Australia, only to then <laughs> six months later find myself taking uh, statistics. And oh, right. uh, I also did a science degree, so physics <laughs> and chemistry. And yeah, I, I don't know how I, yeah. Probably like you, I thought it was going to be something yeah. different and then uh, discovered that I was landed smack in the middle of a science degree <laughs> so you started doing how's that been for you with the that's for i would say as as a as a as a very general statement hmm. research design and statistics is probably the area which is the biggest challenge for our program students it's, typically we have it's very hard to get into this program yeah so i think it's fair to say that probably all of the program students all of our students are very good academic students but uh, research design and statistics is probably not their strongest area <laughs> or their maybe even the area they're more familiar with. So how's that been for you? Personally, I didn't really have that much of a distance to the numbers. No, and if of, you've been a musician, then you're yeah. very close to numbers anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. I did a lot of uh, like mixing and, and, mm. and making beats and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. And uh, then I used a lot of programs where you kind of had to put in numbers to make the electronic instruments work and mm. I, I know it, just that made me a bit more familiar and I, I guess I always liked biology and stuff like yeah. that in class that included a bit of statistics yeah. so it was chemistry did you take chemistry at any stage uh, yeah I, I guess that was part of like a, a knowledge about nature yeah, thing okay. in so high school you would have been balancing equations and, yeah. yeah so mm -hmm. you were okay with it but I think it's fair to say that yeah. probably not, not all your classmates yeah. were as happy with it yeah, yeah. but so it was really hard anyways yeah. you know so the research and design started up and then you started moving to some statistics I guess you would mm. have what else would have you been doing early on maybe some developmental psychology yeah that was like the second term mm. yeah that was interesting as well mm. uh, yeah I don't know mm. <laughs> I don't remember that's so it would have been that. developmental. There might have been some social psychology earlier. Yeah, that was like the third term. Probably some 
implementation prevention. Yeah. So mm. one of the things in our department, uh, there's been uh, a focus. One of the themes of the, particularly of the new program, is uh, implementation and prevention. Which is, I'm not in any way, shape, or form a person to talk about it. It's not my area, but it's certainly a theme of the department, which is uh, psychology in the area of yeah, implementation and prevention. So mm. you would have been introduced to that. What else have you been doing early on there? Um, well, I guess uh, then we're getting close to the personality. Oh, and business time, yeah, when it gets all really yeah. interesting. <laughs> Starts for real. Yeah. yeah, so then you would have yeah come into T4 and at that stage, yeah, it would have been personality, some psychopathology, there would have been neuropsychology, mm. some more prevention implementation, I think is that term. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you would have... Well, why are we skipping over that? That's the best part. How did you <laughs> right. find that term? Do you remember? Yeah, I remember it. And that was, that was an exciting term because um, it kind of opened a door to the clinical part of psychology. Yeah. And uh, you, you started to read about uh, mental illness. Mm. And the parts before it were like more focused on how we do research on psychology and some uh, more like healthy parts of psychology. Yeah. And I've just realized you would have been doing a lot of cognition in the early terms. Yeah. Cognitive science it. and you would have mm. you would have done some biological psychology yeah. early on as well. The brain and mm. how it works. So you start to run into um, I guess clinical work, which certainly not all of our students plan to be clinicians, but I'm probably safe to say that the majority have ideas about it, at least at the start. Yeah. That might change yeah. over the course of the program as they start to do other things, but probably that's something that people have been waiting for for a while to start yeah. to look at mental health problems and, and clinical work. Hmm. So you did a little bit of that. Uh, did we have all the guest lecturers at that stage? Not all of them, but most of them. Most of them, okay. Uh, that was a really interesting part. Uh, John arranged so uh, that uh, people diagnosed with a few of the disorders mm. that we read about came and had lectures about their, their experience of having yeah. the disorder. And it... Uh, uh, it was really memorable and uh, useful to hear an actual person talk mm. about the disorder, not just mm. uh, read about it in a book. Yeah, and I mean, at least when I'm taking that course, I'm fortunate that I haven't had most of those illnesses, <laughs> so I can't really tell you about it. But we've had an, uh, um, an association with an organisation called Hian Kol, and they, they're involved in educating different organizations in the community about mental health problems and they have uh, a whole big group of what they call ambassadors which are people mm. that have their own experiences of various uh, psychiatric problems or caring for people with psychiatric problems and so we've been uh, in collaboration with them they provide us with uh, a range of people that come in and speak about their own experiences and we still do that now um, and we have, if I think about who's coming in this term, we have someone presenting uh, on phobia, mm -hmm. Mm. bipolar disorder, mm. uh, depression. Mm. Uh, we have two people that speak on schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. uh, we have someone who survived anorexia. Okay. Uh, we have someone who uh, was treated for borderline PD mm. for quite a while and is no longer needing any help there. And there's a few others that come and go at different times. We have a wonderful speaker uh, who talks about her own uh, autistic spectrum disorder diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So that's um, that's still going on, and that's I would agree. I think that's one of the best parts of, of the course. 
Hmm. So you get that introduction and then you start to do the clinical stuff. <laughs> do you remember do you remember what the first thing was you had to do? So it would have been ClinSeq et it was called in the old days. <laughs> yeah. Well, just read about the basic treatments and uh, core skills of any kind of treatment really. Just how do you talk to a person in a way that don't upset them. Yeah. So they can feel safe and uh, free to open up about what's going on for yeah. them. And I guess at that stage you would have been introduced to the two main uh, theoretical approaches yeah. with the clinical topics, which is cognitive behavioural therapy and psychodynamic therapy. Yeah. The program has changed more recently, but at mm -hmm. that stage um, the theme of the program was integrative practice. Yeah. Mm. Um, so quite a while ago the, the department formed a, a sort of theme here about integrating cognitive behavioural and, and psychodynamic therapy. And so you guys have been um, educated and trained in these two approaches across the rest of the program. So you would have been, I guess we would have been talking about the, the basic theory behind those two approaches at that stage. Yeah, that's true. A little bit of existential therapy thrown in as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and then this, uh, this integration uh, of these approaches. Yeah. So you do that, I think that's, what's that, like term five or something. And then in yeah. term six, you probably start doing assessment. Um, uh, I think it was already in T5, actually. T5. Started doing assessment. Ah, uh, so you start doing WISE assessments. Yeah, WISE. Intelligence Weiss. assessments. And yeah, personality. I remember we got to do a, a large personality test. Okay. Um, that was really interesting. Is that, um, when, is that when you get hit with the lawyers for the second <laughs> time, the ethics? Um, yeah, 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 I think so. They come in and scare you guys. Uh, <laughs> Don't mess up. Yeah, no. these are all the things you can do wrong. This will happen to you if you do them wrong. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so you do that, you do the assessment, and then I guess there's that assessment, and then I think you go into conceptualization, which is back into this yeah. mm. cognitive behavioral conceptualization yeah. and then psychodynamic conceptualization. Mm. So there's a course there. And what do you do there? I've got some ideas now, but what was your memory of it? Well, uh, yeah, we were kind of traveled through uh, different ways of uh, understanding a, a problem like mm. and I, I guess any any psychological problem has like a several uh, layers mm. you can look at it like from a biological perspective and see this uh, things going in and mm. on in the brain and the genes but uh, you can also zoom out more and see what's going on inside of the person's mind mm. or zoom out even more and kind of find out what's going on in in the environment around this person mm. and uh, i guess uh, the different schools uh, that jan talked about they have different approaches to this and they mm. uh, put different emphasis on uh, yeah. different parts so you have two kind of ways of modeling the same yeah thing. so you would have done that and around about that time then maybe you go out on practique yeah. So you just want to just explain what practique is and then what you did. Yeah, sure. If you remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I absolutely do. Practique uh, is kind of like an like an internship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Where you go to really um, a broad variety of different uh, places where psychologists work, and you you try to work as a psychologist. Mm. And, uh, so you go out on one. There's a variety of, yeah. of ones available, mm. but you each each student goes to one. Right, yeah. yeah. Where did you go? I went to a place called Psykologifabriken. Okay. Uh, we worked a lot with uh, uh, organizational psychology. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's a private organization? Uh, yeah. 
And I guess there's a you're working with a legitimated psychologist. Yeah. A registered psychologist. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So what did you do? What did they have you do exactly? Um, oh, I wrote a bunch about psychology. I had like lectures mm-hmm. uh, about stress and leadership and how to make a group work, how to make them not hate each other. Yeah. So this is this is psychology for Brecon is providing these services to other organizations or yeah, yeah. Okay. exactly. How long did it go for? Uh, it was almost the entire term. Um, and you're there full time. Uh, yeah. Okay, so it's full time for six months. Yeah, mm. it was really intense. In mm. the beginning, you were like, uh, you kind of get like an imposter syndrome where you're like, oh shit, yeah. I don't know anything. Um, that imposter syndrome doesn't go away. <laughs> I think oh, nice can, to hear. You can ask when uh, when some of our staff members get promoted to professor. I'm almost <laughs> certain they're still experiencing imposter syndrome. <laughs> it's certainly true for the doctoral students, and I think for most people, they mm. have those moments. Um, mm. Yeah, so it got very real all of a sudden. Yeah, mm. and so after you, you you do the practice for six months, and then you come back, and I guess so that's around about T seven. Yeah. So then you would have been doing clinical skills training. Yeah. And you would have started with your first clients, right? Individual clients. Yeah. And by the I guess um, at that stage we would have moved the clinic in-house here yeah so uh previously our clinic was downtown okay and more recently we uh moved it in-house literally it is in-house <laughs> it's um connected physically into our department hmm. uh so we've got a brand spanking new clinic there <laughs> uh, how was that so your oh, first well, patient yeah um <laughs> it was i was really nervous mm. and uh again i had imposter syndrome mm. with like and you kind of get these uh, self-critical thoughts, like you don't know anything about stuff. Are mm. you going to tell someone else what to do mm. with their life? It's like lecturing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of works out. Then. What you, was what was your first case like? I mean, obviously you can't talk about it in no. too much detail. But what um, was the area? Or um, it concerned uh, depression. Okay. And um, later on, uh, uh, a diagnosis of uh, social phobia was added. Okay. So kind of after working with the depression for a while, we found out that mm. the, the core of the depression actually and you just, stemmed you're from just reminding social phobia. You're just reminding me that um, I tell you guys that in T4, yeah. that often with social phobia, you initially have people coming in with a reactive depression. See, mm. I was right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> proven right. So um, the way that works is the clinic up there is a, a free clinic. Yeah. Uh, and... People come in either by referral or of their own request. Yeah. And uh, we have a clinic manager and we have our supervisors up there. And uh, people coming into the clinic are assessed. Yeah. Uh, and then if their needs kind of fit with the, what the teaching clinic can mm. supply, then uh, you guys are assigned a client. Yeah. You have a supervisor, individual supervisor. Yeah. And then off you go. And you, you see your client... Uh, what sort of time frame do you have, or is it? And that's uh, uh, from what I've heard, it's very different. Okay. But uh, one to one and a half term usually. Yeah. And so anything from six to eighteen months. Yeah. And you're as part of the the training in Sweden, you're required to see three. If, uh, three. No, I. Two. No, not even that. I think. Okay, it's just the amount of time. Yeah. Uh huh. Because mm. I I know there's one person I know who had the same client. The whole time? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
so one thing that a little bit different between say somewhere like here Sweden and where mm. I trained in Australia is that um, a limited amount of clinical hours is done within a program here mm. and when you finish uh, you guys then have to go and do something called PTP which yeah. is kind of like an advanced internship so mm. when a person finishes their psychology training in Sweden they have had about 18 months clinical experience yeah. and then they need to go and work full-time as a, as a clinician uh, is it six months or 12 months I think it's 12 months. It's 12 months. So that's full-time working as a basically as a probationary psychologist hmm. under, a, under a supervisor. So you have – how many clients have you had so far within the program? Uh, I've had two. You've clients. had two. Okay. Yeah. Um, and do you expect to have another one before you finish? No. So you've finished up for the time. It's going to be two. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How did you find that? With the, How was it having supervisors and <laughs> – because you're juggling, when you see your clients, yeah. obviously you're also juggling coursework and quite a lot of coursework as yeah. well. I know in T7 in the, the course I yeah. teach with CBT, you've got two days a week in the clinic and then three yeah. full days of class. I think we have you in class mm. pretty much morning to <laughs> afternoon the other three days Yeah, because we're evil and we like to punish <laughs> you. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't be easy. So how has it been with having a client and then also trying to juggle? Yeah, uh, I guess there's been some difficulties at time. It's hard to plan when uh, the bulk of the work uh, for the clinical part is going to come. Mm. You know, certain things might happen in treatment that uh, yeah. requires you to read up more about different things. And that might add like one or two books about something to yeah. a curriculum that already requires you to read like one, two books this week. Mm. And um so as, at times it's been hard, but mm. mostly it, be, it has been uh, uh, pretty manageable. Yeah. And, uh, there's a lot of time reserved for it. Two days you can do a lot yeah. with that. How have you found the workload across the program? Um, Probably varied quite a bit. Yeah, it's... Because uh, I, I know I hammered you guys with a big <laughs> workload. <laughs> that was a big workload, yeah. yeah. But I, it, it sort of varies, I guess, across the different yeah. terms. <laughs> but you've had time for a social life and to exist outside <laughs> of... yeah. I think, uh, yeah, they, they managed to both survive mm. the social and the academic. What's the work. social like? Like, what's the social life like for a <laughs> psychology program student here? Yeah, I think there's uh, like some uh, some places where people from the psychology program meet. Um, uh, there's an organization called Super Ego, which mm. is like the uh, social organization for psychology students. Mm. They arrange a bunch of uh, uh, happenings for mm. psychology students to get together. You guys have got your own room downstairs, don't you? Yeah. It's the, it's it's one room we can't go into. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exciting. It's, oh. the, it's the hot, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a, a mess, actually. Mm. I think nobody really feels responsible for it. And like it's this just, studio, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great psychological experiment of like responsibility division mm. or something. Mm. Uh, now I... Well, given that, like, how many students are there at any one time in the program? There's several hundred. So yeah, I guess the, if you divide two, the responsibility for cleaning three, the yeah, room by yeah. 300, <laughs> it's not a whole lot of responsibility yeah, there's left. Yeah, a very few <laughs> percentages for this person. Yeah. There's like a suggestion book that I looked in recently there. Mm. There was like, there was someone who'd scribbled like, we need a clock. And someone wrote and written, yeah, we need a clock. And then uh, a third person wrote, we got a clock. <laughs> and then there's the fourth person who said, where's the clock? <laughs> and then on the next page, there's the new person who says, like, we need a clock. 
yes. So it's efficient. Yeah, yeah. very efficient. Okay. I don't know who get who got the clock or <laughs> was it really ever a clock? Yeah, <laughs> who knows? Maybe it's just a metaphor for something. Yeah. And so when you're not from here, so uh, I guess when you enroll in the program, hmm? um, some students live on campus. Yeah. But also um, the commune here, I think, is obliged to provide accommodation. Anybody that enrols at the university yeah. hmm. um, is can expect accommodation to be provided. So hmm. a lot of people live sort of spread through town as well. Where did yeah. you end up? Did you end up on campus or? Well, uh, my first term I was uh, way up in Baronbackerna. It's. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> I've never even heard of that. Before. No, Where is it's that? not. It's just before Vivala, kind of. Okay, a bit but, north in okay. town. It was like. Uh, okay, I'm Australian. 45. So it's close. <laughs> yeah, it's close. Okay, <laughs> it's close by. Yeah. Well, uh, then I moved to Studentgatan. Okay. Which was like Very 35 close. minutes less of a yeah. no commute at all. So it was a. That it's I think like uh, dorms. Yeah. Yeah. Next to the university. That's probably a bit of a typical process. I think new mm. arriving students end up in out <laughs> further out somewhere and then quickly work yeah. out how to find their way in is that pretty typical do you think yeah i think are, so yeah i guess people are graduating all the time so mm. yeah it's, it's just a constant flow of moving <laughs> close to university yeah. and then you graduate and then the next person comes in okay so that was okay though that was an easy process or yeah. getting accommodation and yeah yeah okay. that was okay and what was it like living on campus yeah that was great mm. um well you're still there i guess and no? i kind of moved to uh, just like uh, two three hundred meters further away okay so I got my own kitchen now. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I can understand yeah. why that's a... Yeah. Um, mm. uh, but it was great. I, living in the dorms, I really enjoyed it. I liked talking to new people and mm. there was a lot of like exchange students moving in and out. So you got to meet like new people from mm. all over the world. That was yeah. really cool. I um, Yeah, I lived on campus at one stage yeah? uh, and that same experience was mm. surrounded by people from all over the world and I thought that was... Wonderful. It was probably one of the best parts of being at university, actually. Yeah. So you finished your stu- uh, your clinical work. You're in T9. Yes. But you're doing a DIUPSATS, which in other parts of the world we would call a master's thesis. So the program yeah. here um, is essentially an undergraduate and a master's degree combined. So you, yeah. you, you finish with a master's degree, which means you'd have to write a, a master's thesis at the end. Uh, that's usually done in the last term, but mm. you've got plans to go to Canada, I think. Yeah. As an exchange student, so yeah. you're doing it one term early. Mm. How's it going? <laughs> it's um, it's going good. Uh, my topic is uh, body image uh, in Swedish adolescence. We're kind of looking at positive body image. Well, early research on body image kind of had a simple face valid, or like uh, like logical, mm. intuitive uh, uh, definition of uh, body image, where it's just like a spectrum from you don't like your body to you like your body. Yeah. But uh, more recent research uh, have found that it's actually a bit more nuanced like mm. than that. And you have Nothing's like, that simple. No. Yeah. <laughs> you have like uh, several different forms of uh, bad body image mm. uh, where it's uh, either you, you're just dissatisfied with your body or you might have uh, delusions about your body. Mm. Uh, that might take the form of a disease called body dysmorphic right. disorder. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that you might be 
have Ida Flink as a supervisor. Yeah, mm. that's correct. And you're doing this in conjunction with uh, a colleague of mine, Oliver Sun, yeah. who is at National University in Singapore. That's correct. Um, so we've, in the last couple of years, formed a, a working relationship with the National University in Singapore, and particularly yeah. with their clinical clinic and their clinic manager, mm. Oliver Swindeman, whose research interest is uh, body dysmorphic disorder and body image. Yeah. I know this because I'm doing a project <laughs> with him at the moment. Hey. I've got two master's students who are looking at uh, body image dissatisfaction uh in response to looking at dating apps. Oh. So I've got two of your colleagues. Oh, that's interesting. I've got two of your colleagues who are designing an online experiment where oh. they're measuring, getting participants to look at images of bodies, yeah. other people, mm. and then uh, getting them to, trying to measure their body satisfaction. Oh. Body image satisfaction. So it's something similar. Do you enjoy the area? Yeah, it's um, really interesting. It's kind of overlooked, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, Certainly, in, in definitely in Sweden. Yeah, yeah. and uh, when we looked at it, we found one dissertation about it uh, on a Swedish population, yeah. but nothing else. Yeah, uh, I guess I've read about it, but I've never really, really more deeply understood what it was mm. and uh, what's the subclinical different mm. syndrome symptoms of it is. Mm. And that was really interesting because I kind of you mean really. Body? We're talking about body dysmorphic disorder. Yeah, and I kind of uh, realized myself that I had uh, a few like subclinical symptoms yeah. that I didn't realize was yeah. kind of unhealthy. Like uh, I think I've had, I have a, like a fear of losing my hair. Yeah, and I kind of look at it a lot in the mirror, and like when I see hair on the floor in my apartment, and it's like, oh shit, it's yeah. gone. Yeah, and that's apparently something that commonly escalates into full-blown BDD. Yeah. And people buy like very expensive products and yes. do like surgeries to try to keep their hair. And well, one way I guess when we think about the different sort of illness categories, in some ways you can think of them as extremes of normal human experience. I mean, yeah. there's, if we think about the the DSM, there's yeah. nothing in the DSM that isn't a normal human experience. Yeah, but we get people that develop uh, very intense or rigid or chronic experiences and mm. we start to think of them as illnesses so i think that most people could read an illness category mm. and see stuff in it they recognize yeah <laughs> uh, most people if we think about body dysmorphia most people have had at least some experience of yeah. being focused on or concerned about some aspect of their body their appearance and um, behaving in a way to try to minimize it or manage it or, or these sorts of things Hmm. It is an under, uh, not an area that's been focused on so much in Sweden. And actually, one of the things we're now doing here is, in conjunction with Oliver, is hmm. having the new clinic here, which is also a research clinic. We're actually going to start to collect data uh, on body dysmorphia. Oh. So we're hoping in the future to maybe plug that gap and be able wow. to start to understand, firstly, the prevalence of body dysmorphic hmm. disorder in Sweden, which I guess you can probably tell me is not something we're that clear about <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. There is mm. a, well, this one dissertation by mm. Sabina Brohede, I think. It's mm. from Linköping. And uh, it's, uh, well, uh, they have a, a large sample size, but it's only women uh, and adults. Uh -huh. uh, but I think it's uh, it's comparable to anorexia. Okay. Uh, I think it's uh, around, between 1% and 2% okay. prevalence. Mm. Okay. Hmm. So you'll finish up with that, I guess, around summer. Yeah. Sure. And then you're off to Canada. Yes. And where exactly in Canada are you going? 
we're going to a university called uh, St. Thomas University. Okay. And that's uh, and that's an exchange program that you're using the Erasmus. No, it's not the Erasmus because it's outside. Uh, no, yeah, it's outside of. Uh, it's a bilateral exchange. Okay, so there's an agreement with, yeah. with that institution. Exactly. Oh. They're like yeah, agreed to. We send one and you get one. And, okay. So and, you, we're doing we're doing a prisoner swap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone's coming over here. So be over there for what six months? Well, I guess lesser for five months. Okay. And then you take some courses there, which are yeah. credited towards your program here. Right. Yeah. And then you're done. Mm. Then I'm and done. Off you go. <laughs> okay. You're at the moment we're trying to. Um, the the wider university is starting to put a lot of emphasis on internationalization, and so mm. um, at the moment we're trying to really uh, clarify and develop these exchange relationships with different organisations. Um, and I know that you had quite some trouble accessing. Uh, that exchange. Yeah, it was uh, um, uh, it was a bit hard to understand. Yeah, we got a lot of great help, um, mm. uh, but there was a lot of conditions we we didn't get at first. And, yeah. uh, uh, they changed it uh, like the accessibility of different uh, spots to uh, after we've already agreed to change courses. And then yeah. Okay. Uh, but first I think it, it worked out in the end, though. Think, it really it? worked out. Yes, really. yes, we were lucky there. Yeah, <laughs> but I think uh, going forward, that's an area that we're we're hopefully going to really be able to develop. Yeah. yeah. And so, what do you think you're going to do as we wind up here? As I look at the clock, <laughs> what do you think you're going to do going forward? You've got to go and do your P2P, so your yeah. your, your probationary work. What, what's the plan <laughs> at this stage? Well, since I did my uh, my practice, mean practice. Mm in kind of a, a more of an organizational psychology setting, mm-hmm. I would like to try a clinical as well. Okay. It would be interesting to try more clinical treatments yeah. and uh, see more patients. Well, there we go. There's our first recording. Yeah. yeah.